Thank you for joining us on the Anchor Conversations podcast, where we are bringing your Sunday into your weekday. Our goal is to invite you into the conversation that's happening when we're preaching on Sunday mornings by giving you an opportunity to ask questions and to continue to interact with the text through this podcast. Let's get started. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us today. This is Tyler. I'm here with Jason, our lead pastor. Yeah, that's Hi, me. Jason. I'm, right, I'm here too. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> welcome <laughs> to my podcast. Oh, hey, thanks for having me on your podcast. I've a long time yeah. listener, first time. No, that's that's wait, that doesn't work on a podcast, I guess. That's more of a, that's more of a, a radio, uh, a radio station thing, I guess. Yeah, we're not a radio show. Yeah. Um, this week, we're talking about Easter Sunday. From as everyone expected, Revelation one. Yeah, uh, no, I feel like everybody. Whenever you think of Easter, that's what you think of. You think of Revelation. That's exactly yes. everybody's their first thought. Exactly. Um, and your big idea was that the resurrection is an everyday celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about how you how you don't like Easter or you have a problem with it. <laughs> and uh, what was great about that is you always you always give me trouble for not liking Christmas, and now. I'm going to hold this over you. You're an Easter Grinch. <laughs> it's true. Although I was, I, I will say that your reasons for not loving Christmas are, are way better than the re- my reasons historically for not, for not loving Easter. I mean, the, the getting dressed up part, it does apply to Christmas too, I think, but the, the getting of gifts when I was a kid, you know, it just kind of, it even that, even that out maybe i don't know easter yeah. easter growing up i'm like why do i have to wear this nice shirt with a tie i don't like i just because i hated it i did not like it it's also worse to have to dress up when it's hot out than when it's cold out so uh but anyway in your that's sermon true. we saw that's true <laughs> we saw the uh these three reasons why the resurrection should be an everyday uh celebration um and so i thought we could start uh, you kind of explained and set this question out in your sermon of what we gained from making the resurrection an everyday celebration. But for the podcast, I kind of wanted to flip that and have you articulate what we lose if we treat the resurrection as a once a year celebration. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a good, that's a really good question. The This seems to be a theme, maybe. I don't know. This is a theme in, in Mark. I think it just kind of applies here. But I think what we lose is um, the wonder of who Jesus is. Like, I think we lose the wonder of Christ. We lose the fact that, you know, it's in the resurrection that we actually see him in a lot of ways, not, not for the first time in the gospels, because we see glimpses of it. You know, we see that like John, John and the, the, the close disciples, those three, three guys saw him in the transfigured on the mountain. Like there's, there's times where we see it or when he's healing people or he has foreknowledge, but it's the first time that we actually see him, I think, um, for who he is. And I, and when we, when we begin to then play that out and what that means for us, it really should cause us to wonder if we're not, if we're not considering the resurrection regularly, he, I just don't think he's big enough. I think, I think when we think about life, everything seems so massive. So if you're listening to this, just think about this last two weeks of your life. Think about any hardships that you've had, any struggles that you're going through, any difficulty in your family, any money issues, any just regular old everyday issues that you're going to have, they can take over our whole view of life. They just seem to like, they put place themselves right in front of us. 
I think when we, when we focus on the wonder of Jesus and who he is and his resurrected body and what that means for us, I think, um, you know, he just gets bigger and the bigger Jesus is, I think everything else gets smaller. I just think the, the, the problems and all those things in life get smaller. They don't go away. You know, we live in this life. They're, they're not going to go away, but I think, I think it's what we're, it's where kind of the perspective that we talked about. I think we just, we need to see him as, as big enough. Yeah, that's, that's a good thought. Actually, this could be a rabbit trail, but I hadn't really thought about this until you said it, that the resurrection is kind of that fuller revelation of Jesus, mm. uh, that without it, we don't fully understand him that we could probably mm -hmm. spend a lot of time talking about that, but that's yeah. really something to chew on, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, the importance of the resurrection, even for our understanding of who Christ is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, and I would just say, we don't have to do rabbit trail this. I would just say it's one of the, it's one of the reasons I went to revelation is because it's even after the resurrection, it's hard to see like glimpses or glimmers of who he is raised to life. And when John sees him, he falls down as though dead. And I just, this is maybe towards the end. I, we don't have to get to this either, but sometimes you ask me at the end, what did I leave out? But if you think about John, as you know, he calls himself in the gospel, which is presumptuous, maybe the one, the disciple Jesus loved. Um, I love how he also tells him that, that tells us that he outran Peter to the tomb. That had to have been a little bit of like a, a little dig maybe at Peter. Hey, I outran you. Um, but you know, he's the disciple Jesus loved. He seemed to be the closest one, at least in his estimation. So best friends. And yet when he sees him for who he actually is, he falls down as though dead. There's something about that, that I think we have to grasp. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, that's that's a really good corrective there. So one of the things that I'm always thinking about when I teach, I heard um, John Tyson, who pastors a church in, in New York, say this, uh, don't bring New York City into the church, the culture of New York City into the church. And one thing I'm always trying to think about when I preach is like the aspects of Gilbert or the East Valley that we bring into the church that aren't necessarily, you know, godly or or whatever, those cultural things. Uh, so with that in mind, what are some misconceptions that we, you know, kind of East Valley, Gilbert, you know, middle class, whatever it is, uh, uh, Christians carry around that we needed corrected by the uh, reality of the resurrection? Mm. <clears throat> Let me make sure I think about this one for a second. Um in terms of yeah, East Valley, I think we we get remarkably consumed um, with just the flow of life and what life is, because everybody everybody's trying to um, either look a certain way, have a certain kind of house, um, have a certain amount of cars, you know, make a certain amount of money, have a certain level of ed education. Um, especially in, I think, especially in, in Gilbert, I, it might be different if you go to other parts of the city, um, in the East Valley, but especially in, in Gilbert, I think there's a, there's this like middle-class to upper middle-class, uh, you know, idea. Sometimes that plays itself out in just seclusion. Cause we want to, when we get home, we want to just enjoy our, our homes and we're not, we're not as maybe inclined to go out of, outside of our, of our, the barracks, you know, when we get home, we want to stay hunkered down and, and do that, which none of those things, I don't think like, that's not wrong. You know, that's some of that, some of that's not wrong or right. Some of that's just some of it, some of it might be, but some of it's not, um, the idea of status and, and how we look though, I think kind of, 
kind of does seep into um, our own our own lives here. And I just and I think that when we think about the resurrection, really at the end of the day, who cares? I mean, it it really if we're living our lives for Jesus, who cares? I mean, who cares what it looks like? Who who cares at the end of the day? We 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 as people, and if you're listening to this as an adult, we do have to be wise and responsible with things like finances and take care of our families and budget, you know, and be thinking about the future. That's not like we ignore all that because I think that that is wisdom. So wisdom, God's given us wisdom to think through that those things. We provide and, and care for and protect our families and do all those things. So that's true. However, when it when it's so consuming that we become like, for example, hoarders of money because we don't want other people to you know, have, have, uh, not, I shouldn't say have it. We don't want um, to give it away. We just want to live our best life now. We don't, you know, we become hoarders of um, our time. We become hoarders of our serving because man, getting up early is hard um, to come in, and serve on a Sunday morning. Um, we get consumed with the other things of life. And, and Man, I, I just think when we look at the resurrection at the end of the day, we are, I keep saying at the end of the day, I noticed that I'm going to try and stop saying that. Um, we are those who have been uh, um, bought bought by a, by a price, bought by a price of Jesus. We serve the resurrected King. And really, I said this in the sermon, um, we should be as living as such where if somebody, if let's say we lived in a, a country that, that they're going to kill us, they're going to kill us. Our mentality should be, okay, cool. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look to die. I'm not a fatalist, but I'm, but if you kill me, I'm just going to be with Jesus. Fine. We're going to leave you alone. Well, okay. Let me share the gospel with you. Status doesn't fit into that for me. I mean, I, I just think, you know, it, it's okay to have nice things. It's okay to have a job where you make a lot of money. That's fine. It's just when that becomes an all consuming part of our life and we, we don't the self self serving. We don't give to the church because we want more for us. We don't we don't look outside of ourselves to say how can I invite people that maybe are messy into my home hospitality wise. This goes into a little bit of our relentlessly outward, um, you know, our joyfully generous values. But I just think that the that that idea of the resurrected Christ sitting on a throne, having conquered everything for us. And he's bought us and he's brought us into his family. And we still say, this is mine. Um, I want to, I want to hold on to this. I can't let this go. I just think that should correct us. Yeah, that's good. Um, at the beginning of the day, so I did that, not the end of the day, but at the beginning of the day, um, nice, <laughs> nice, nicely done. Thanks. Uh, as you were, as you were saying that, what I was thinking of was the, parable that jesus gives of uh and I, I i'm sure this is the book of matthew but i can't remember exactly where um he gives this parable of of a guy who uh, a farmer who built storehouses for his grain and then he builds bigger and bigger storehouses and then he sits down to kind of relax and just like look at all that he's gathered and and an angel of the lord comes to him and says you fool this night, your life is required of you. What have you to show for all of this? You know, I wonder if like sometimes we have this idea of I'm going to build bigger barns and the resurrection is, is a reality, both that at any moment, you know, death is real, right? Like death is undefeated, except for when Jesus conquered it, but death is, takes us all out at any moment that could be the, you fool, 
Like what, what is all this for? What, what have you done with all of this when you had all of this opportunity to sow those storehouses into the kingdom of God mm-hmm. in different ways? So yeah, that's, I think none of us are going to get to heaven. Well, none of us are going to get to heaven and say, I wish that I had kept more of my own stuff for me. Right. I just think, I just think that if, again, you go to John, his first reaction is to fall down as though dead. You know why? Because the glory and the majesty and the holiness and the power uh, and the and the superiority of who Jesus is was all consuming. John, in that moment, is not thinking, "Why didn't I? Why didn't I? You know, I gave too much money away, or I served too many people, or I, um, you know, I got up too early on Sundays, or I, um, you know." I kept too much, whatever it is, you put it in, whatever it is for you. But I, but I think that he's just not going to say that. And neither are we, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to wish that we had given all of us and the stuff that we had kept. I think we're going to, we're going to regret. I think it's going to, there's going to be shame. I'm, I'm included in that. I'm not saying it's you. I'm saying it's us because there are things that I do the same way where I, right. I, I don't have that proper perspective either. Um, and so it just should be a correct. No, that's good. Yeah. We should probably should move on from this question, but I do think, just a, one more thing on this. It's a good thread because, uh, you know, Isaiah, when he looks into the throne room, he says, I'm ruined. I'm ruined at the, you know, just the majesty, the presence. Like when I look at who God is, I, I am ruined. My life will never be the same. And I wonder if that's some of the invitation for us as we think about the resurrection, to look at the reality of Jesus risen from the dead and let that ruin our lives in a good way to kind of refocus things, put them back in perspective for what really matters. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's really good. Those are good thoughts. Um, so we had this question texted in um, that maybe we're actually hitting some of this stuff, even as I look at the question, but it said, what should change about my life if I truly believe that death is just a doorway? And how do I balance living fearlessly, but not reckless? Mm. Yeah. We, yeah, we did hit some of this, I think. Um, let me think if there's anything else I can add to it to maybe just fill it out. Um, it definitely doesn't mean that we just become a careless person. Like, well, I'm going to start jumping out of airplanes without a you know parachute kind of thing. Like, even if that's metaphoric, you know, like we're just going to go and do whatever. I don't think it means that, or I don't think it means that we, you know, have, you know, um, we might as well just take our own lives. You know, I, I don't, this is not like, no, that that is not what it is because Paul says, um, hey, as long as I'm living here, I live for you, the church. To, to live is Christ, he says in Philippians, to die is gain. So to live is Christ. I live my life for Christ. To die is gain for me, but I live my life for Christ, which kind of goes back to the, the this whole perspective of the death as a doorway. Paul knew that his race was being run in faith to know Jesus until the day that that door closed. Um, in terms of his beating heart closing here, which just opened a door to eternal life with, with his savior forever. And so to live as Christ, to die as gain, I guess the question we should ask ourselves is, is in, in our lives, in your life, in my life, would, could, can we honestly say my life is lived, um, to Christ to live is Christ. I think that I think that again we we can get really consumed with you know um, qu- question marks that we have that cause us to maybe unbelief. I mean, this whole idea of 
and I don't want to, I don't want to destroy, if you're thinking this, I'm not, this isn't, this isn't meant to, to destroy you necessarily, if you're thinking this way, but this whole idea of deconstruction, I, I just like, so deconstructing our faith, if we're reforming our faith to build it up again in the, in the, in the image of Christ, that's one thing. If we're deconstructing it because we're like, yeah, a lot of, you know, ah, Jesus, you know, everything I've heard is wrong. And so therefore I'm just going to, I'm going to toss it. I'd say, I just don't think Jesus is big enough for you. I, I just don't think we understand the glory of Christ. And so when we, when we get to that spot and we say, what is my only hope? My only hope in life and death um, is that I'm not my own. I, I am bought by blood and I, I live my life for his glory. We read in the confessions, right? We read in like the, I think it's the, I think it's, that's the Heidelberg catechism. So um, is it the Heidelberg or is it the Westminster? I think it's the Heidelberg. Um, but what is, you know, what is my only hope in life and death? I'm not my own. I'm bought with blood. Like I, I am, and I live my life for him. And so when you go to work tomorrow, are you living your life for him or for you? When you get your paycheck in two weeks, are you living your life with that paycheck for him or for you? When you're, when you're, um, out at, you know, going to Starbucks, are you living your life at Starbucks for him or you? Do you live your life for Christ? I, I just think so. And if we do that, then death is not, we're not to fear it. Death is something we go, yeah, we're going to experience it. And man, that, that day is going to be glorious. It's going to be sad for people here. Sadness is a part of death, but there's a reason why Christians um, funerals are a lot different than a non-Christian's funeral. Like as a Christian, we go in there and we're like, this is sad, but man, there's going to be a day where I get to see, I'm going to see this person again. And um, so, yeah, that, I think that that would be how I'd, how I'd process through that question. Yeah. And that, that question really was based off your uh, last point in your sermon, which was that the resurrection reassures us that death is a doorway, not an ending. Um, your second point was that the resurrection removes any doubt about his love for you. Uh, and someone texted in and asked, what about the resurrection displays God's love for me? I can see it in his death, dying for my sins, but can you explain what specifically about the resurrection displays his love for me? Yeah. I mean, without the resurrection, there is no, um, there is no fulfillment of his love for you. So he could die on the cross, but if he stays dead, then everything that, that was promised is gone. So it's a fulfilled promise. Like there's fulfilled promises in the resurrection. Um, the, the promise that he has that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. So when he, when he says to you, um, if you're, let's just say you're suffering right now. If he says to you, Hey, Hey, if you're weary, I, my yoke's really easy. Like, so I know, I know that a lot of, I know that primarily that's for those that are, that are, you know, that aren't maybe aren't, don't believe and they're coming in. I think, it, but that he's gentle and lowly. Like the gentle and lowly one says to you at the end of Matthew, he will never leave you or forsake you. He sends his spirit to you. His spirit wouldn't be here. Like that, it would be foolish for us to believe in Jesus and his death if the resurrection hadn't happened. That's an exclamation point. Death itself is conquered not at the cross, but at the res at the empty tomb. Like the the reason that the empty the reason that death has no sting and the reason that um that sin doesn't have any any effect over us anymore is because he's been raised to life. He's conquered the grave. He holds the the keys to death and Hades. And one day he will come back to get us and bring us back to himself in his raised body. And he's also the firstborn from the dead, meaning that he's prepared a way. And your faith exists because he's risen from the dead. And um any any hope that you have in him, you have because of his resurrection. 
like the the forgiveness of sins on the cross um it took away our sins um maybe we can I don't know if this is theologically accurate maybe we can say the resurrection actually is what provides us with hope for eternity and maybe even um the the hope that that his righteousness actually is given to us because there's something about his life now that produces in us something you know this hope his life now brings us into the throne room like the, his we can come before god because of his death yes but but if if he didn't raise if he wasn't raised to life then we'd have a dead savior we don't we, he's alive like the fact that he's a risen one um forevermore um you know is is what actually it it proves his love for us it's a proving ground and so i think we find we find that in the in the resurrection yeah i think we can't separate the death and the resurrection because it's not as if god on sunday was like oh wow jesus is rising now i didn't expect that to happen uh they're together uh that's yeah. that, that is the plan you know mm -hmm. I, I had this thought and this might be something we can pull on for uh, in a sermon series sometime but i had the thought as we were singing on sunday that line who pulled me out of that grave yahweh yahweh mm -hmm. um that it, what hit me was this idea that god like the whole levitical code a bunch of that stuff in leviticus is all about how god is holy He's the God of life and he can't be tainted with death. So why can't you, you know, be bleeding and enter the Holy of Holies? Well, because blood is a sign of death and God's the God of life and these dead animals and all of this, like stay away from dead things. God doesn't have anything to do with dead things. Mm -hmm. And I had the thought as we were singing that line and yet Yahweh hung on the cross. God died for us. And he did so to then rise for us so that as Christians, we can say, uh, just as God is a God of life, I'm a person of life. He's defeated the grave for me so that I can live forever. That is love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the death and the resurrection go together. And it's, it's God saying, yeah, I'm the God who conquers the grave. And so that you can be people who also transcend the grave through faith because mm. of the resurrection. Yeah, no, and that's good. And I think that when you think about the 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 um, the conquering of that grave, the recreation of the world, and all the things that happen at the end, there are there are hints of things we don't even understand, like that are that are coming. That because of his because he's alive, because there's res. Like for example, in Revelation twenty two, at the very end, it's talking about you know the Bible. This is another tangent at some point, but the Bible begins in a garden in Genesis one and one through two, and it ends in a garden. And the whole, the whole point of the rest of the Bible is God's faithfulness to get us back to Eden, essentially to get us back to this place where we dwell with him without hindrance of sin, without, you know, the tree of life is there. The, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is not in, in the eternal kingdom, but the tree of life in Revelation 22, 21, 22 is there. There's something about that. And um, it says that um, as the tree of life is there, you know, on, on each side of the river bearing 12 kinds of fruit, which we're going to talk a little bit about the 12 disciples and the echoes of the 12 tribes. Like there's, there's things here. Um, it produces fruit every month. Uh, so there is no barrenness. So every month there is no season of nothingness. It's always fruitful. There's something there. Um, the leaves of that tree are for healing the nations. There's something 
thing about a togetherness that we have. If not, there's not any divides. We're, we're together and there will be no longer any curse. So that, that sin curse, that death curse is all gone. The resurrection provides this for us, his death and resurrection. And then it says this, the throne of God and the lamb will be in the city. So we're going to be with him and his servants will worship him. That's us. Then we will see his face and his name will be on our foreheads, meaning we belong to him. Night will be no more. And night's symbolic of, of darkness and fear. Like there's something people get scared at night. No more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light. Now listen to what it says. And they will reign forever and ever. Listen, think about that. Who's, who's going to reign? Jesus. Well, no, no, no. They will reign. That means we will reign. We will reign with him. We're going to be this. And I don't, like, there's something about that that you're like, man, that sounds like heresy. Um, that sounds like that can't be right. But there's something about God's people with him, dwelling with him, that will be, we will be so connected to who he is as the firstborn from the dead, that his reign, like, there's going to be something in that, that we get to be a part of. It could be that we reign on the earth. I don't know, but, but it's not, we're, we're not God. You know, we're not small gods. He is God. We worship him. But there's going to be something about that in there that the risen king has brought us into his kingdom for a purpose that we get to experience. And that's all, you know, man, like there's so much we could talk about with the resurrection um, that we don't have time to, but but there's some good stuff. Read Revelation. I mean, Revelation is one of those things Jesus wins. So that's a, it's an important book. Yeah, I just had this thought as you were talking of how do we... Like, what are the practical ways that we celebrate the resurrection daily? You know, how, how do we make it so that this isn't a once a year, uh, you know, holiday or remembrance that turns you into a Grinch? Um, but how do we? I'm talking about me. We, yeah, totally. You, you're an Easter Grinch. At every at every gathering we have from now on, I'm going to ask, "What's your favorite Easter movie?" <laughs> because uh, there's because there's so many of those there's so many of those charlton heston the yeah. Ten Commandments. that's what I my know. dad watches every easter <laughs> that's not um, an easter that's not an easter movie that's, a, that's an every exodus uh, that's an exodus movie well hey exodus resurrection that's another rabbit trail we won't go there <laughs> um so what are practical ways that we can kind of think about or celebrate the resurrection every day um some of it is, I think, being really faithful to, um, you know, as we think about the gospel, to not leave out the resurrection, to actually consider his life, death, and resurrection, what that means, to to be intentional about reading our Bibles. I mean, I, to read Revelation, to read, you know, 1 Corinthians um, 15, to read the gospel accounts, to remember him in his glory. When you read the Old Testament, remember, this is who Jesus is. He, this isn't like, this isn't outside of it. So the glorious nature of who he is, we can see that find a book, read a book in your huddle, go through a, go through a book on the resurrection. I know, um, I think, I think like Larry Alcorn has some good books in the resurrection. I think, um, N.T. Wright actually, I think has the, am I right on that? Is N.T. Wright that has, that has a killer book on the resurrection? Um, well, it was Randy Alcorn that you were thinking of with the other one. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure N.T. Wright has good stuff I, on that as well. Yeah. So, uh, surprised by hope no what what is anyway i don't remember i'll try we'll try and get some of those to you i think it's nt right i just can't remember i don't want to get that wrong he, he may maybe something else but I'm, I'm almost positive that his book on the resurrection is amazing so there there are there are some really good resources out there to help us remember 
the risen Christ and his glory. I mean, focus on the character attributes of God. Like who is he? Because, because who you worship now, you know, in Jesus is the fullness of that in his resurrection. I mean, I, we just, that's who he is. We would, we would fall down as if we were dead before him, you know? And so, and yet he's gracious to John and puts his hand on him and says, it's fine. You're good. You can stand up. Um, so yeah, I just think that those are some practical ways, you know, ask him to show him, show that to you. Yeah. I, yeah. I would agree. Even just asking Jesus to do things, to show you things, to, to convict you, to challenge you of things or, or uh, almost it's, it's a little bit weird to do, but asking questions that you kind of need an audible answer to in prayer and just sitting with it. Um, yeah. Because those are all ways to even just practically train your body to, to recognize Jesus is alive and he's listening. Mm-hmm. He's not some magic genie that I'm just sending requests to, but I'm actually yeah. asking him like legitimate questions, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it, maybe even um, just dealing with Thanksgiving more gratefulness, yeah, right? like being thankful for, you know, Thank you that you're with, you'll never leave me. This is a promise that you made. I remember, I remember Ray Ortland one time, um, who's a, who's a pastor and author said, um, in hard seasons of his life, he would read parts of the Bible and he would remind the Lord in prayer. You promised this, you have to follow through on this. Like I'm holding you to this promise. Um, and I thank you for it but you said you will never leave me or forsake me. Like if forsake me, I feel like you've left me. I'm holding you to this sh- prove, prove it, you know, like show me this is true. So, I mean, that kind of stuff too, like the risen Christ, he's raised to life. He, you know, he owns every part of the universe is his. It's not none, none of it's outside of his grasp. And so, um, yeah, I think those are, those are some good ways. Yeah. The last thing I would add is listen to good, good worship music, even some Mm -hmm. of the stuff that we sang on Sunday. Don't, don't make that a once a year listen for some of that stuff as well. That's that's a great habit. Yeah. Um, I, I, can I, can I just, can I plug one of my songs? No, you can't Um, plug a song that you wrote. Come on, man. (laughs) I I, I wrote, I wrote a song. I wrote a song a few years ago um, called lamb of God. Uh, You can find it on, on YouTube or um, Spotify, but part of the, one of the reasons I wrote that is because we were doing something about the Trinity. Um, and it ends with uh, essentially the risen Christ, the King, the risen King. Um, I thought about it from the standpoint of the creator and then the the savior and then the risen King. And so like the, there'd be one in there. I think the end of that is, um, you know, when history's fading, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll call his bride to take his, to take their place, to take its place, which is us, you know, eternal yeah. King, uh, you know, creations waiting for your, your redeemed to see your face. Like there's something about that, that I think we do need to remember and recall. So yeah, shameless, shameless plug maybe, but it's, it was the reason I wrote it was to remember, yeah. remember that, that part of who he is. Oh, there's a lot of shame in that plug. Just kidding. Uh, so we just got a couple minutes left. If there was anything, uh, you know, kind of you left on the cutting room floor that you wanted to speak to, I think you mentioned something earlier, but if you had anything else with mm-hmm. our last couple minutes here, Yep. I'll do just two things really fast. The first one is just how we read revelation. There's so many ways to read revelation and everybody, you know, there's, there's different views of revelation of the end times and eschatology is the the big fancy word for it. Um, and I would just really encourage us. Um, and I, I don't know what everybody's eschatology is, you know, everybody's got a little bit different. I remember one of my professors said, 
If there's anything to hold loosely in the Bible, it's eschatology because there's so little on it. Usually everybody has their, their eschatology, their end times view just from Revelation 20. It's like one chapter of the Bible. Uh, the rest of it is kind of speculative. And so I would just say, if you're going to read Revelation, don't get caught up in um, timelines because it it doesn't, that's not the point. You know, John, how, and here's here's what I would just remind you of. The Bible, we have to interpret through what the original author was intending. We have to see it that way. John, John, I don't think that John was writing Revelation to uh, 2023 Christians to be encouraged through tribulation and suffering. He, he was because it's going to be Im implied and he wasn't telling the church, hey, at some point Jesus is going to come back in um, you know, a secret rapture and there's going to be all this tribulation and you have to go through you know, all of this stuff. I, I just don't think that's John's intention. John's intention was to encourage the current church and hopefully future generations that Jesus is the victor. There is no reason to bail on the faith that you have, even, even in the face of death in Roman um, arenas or through their emperor, there is no reason to, to bow to the synagogues around you that want you dead because, because the king that you worship is not just alive, he's reigning and he will bring all um everybody to account. So like that that part in Revelation where it's talking about, you know, the martyrs are under the altar saying, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, till you avenge us? Like how long? This is a little bit longer because the number is not yet fulfilled. The number of those who believe is not yet fulfilled. We have to get to that spot. Jesus is winning. And it and it's and it retells that story of Jesus winning like seven, I think it's seven times just in different ways. That's, that's revelation. Jesus wins. And so that that's an, it's important for you to, to know that because if you read it in some other ways like that, um, I think it can just get us caught up in the wrong stuff. So just Jesus wins. The last thing I'll say in one minute is the idea of the son of man, which he talks about. Um, John mentions that in that section I was talking about where he's calling the prophets to, to speak for him. The idea of the son of man has to do with Daniel chapter seven. So read Daniel chapter seven and the son of man would have been known to be uh, a messianic figure. And Jesus refers to himself as the son of man a lot of times in Mark. And here again in revelation chapter one, he's the son of man, me meaning that that's the one that God gives the authority to um, rule the nations forever. It says forever and ever that that nation ruling is not, is not like for a generation, it's forever. And, and that does not make any sense unless the king that is going to be ruling the nations can't die anymore. And the, the raised Christ is the one who will do that. And so even now, like there is a reigning aspect to who he is that I think we need to understand the son of man. So that, that son of man language, even in Mark, we start reading anything in Mark again, just recognize it is a loaded term um, that Jesus knows, the Pharisees know, they all understand it. Um, and we should understand it too. That's good. We'll uh, we'll leave it at that. So everyone's call today is to read Daniel seven, rejoice in the resurrection, and uh, send Jason some Reese's eggs so that he can like Easter again. <laughs> Just not peeps. I don't need the peeps, man. No, those things those things are no good. Maybe no. we should have done that. Maybe we should have done like a what's our worst Easter candy because the peeps are definitely up there. They're gross. Speaking of revelation, peeps are burning in the lake of fire eternally, for sure. <laughs> they're, they're, they're one of the things that are thrown in there at the end. So. <laughs> totally. Peeps are horrible. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, but if you throw them in there with uh, chocolate and graham crackers, then you have s'mores. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's kind of good. I like s'mores. So uh, not sure there's s'mores in hell. Uh, <laughs> okay. True. We should probably get out of here before we, before okay. we get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> that's true. All Thanks right, for everybody. joining us today, everyone. We'll, uh, we'll talk next week. See ya. Thank you for taking the time to join us today as we brought your Sunday into your weekday. Our hope and prayer is that you'd continue pressing into the Lord and applying the Bible to your life as you seek to honor Jesus as King. We'd encourage you to continue this conversation with God through reading the Word and praying, and to continue this conversation with other Christians at your anchor huddles and your anchor communities. We look forward to worshiping King Jesus with you this Sunday and to talking to you again on the podcast next week.